Well, hey, it's good to see everybody. If you're online today or you're here again, you can go to uh, our Church on the Rock app and you can get our notes there if you want to look at them. I'm excited today. We're starting a new series that's really dear to my heart, and uh, it's called Understanding the Grace of God. You know, I think that's something that we don't only need to know about grace. We need to understand what true biblical grace is. And can I just say that I'm completely overwhelmed by the grace that God has shown me because I look at the fact of my sin, but then I see his incredible gift of righteousness and his incredible gift of love and mercy to me. Can somebody just give the Lord a hand clap for his goodness and his mercy? They chase us down. So today, we want to understand grace. I want to start out with where does grace come from? If you'll notice in the scripture in Romans chapter 4, it says, let us use Abraham as an example. It was, cure, pure, it was clear that, humanly speaking, he was the founder of Judaism. Or in other words, he was the founder of the Jewish people. They were, God said, these are going to be my people. And we know that when we come into faith, how many know that we're all blessed with faithful Abraham and we're all of the seed of Abraham through faith in Jesus. But he was the physical founder of Judaism. What was his experience of being made right with God? Was it, was it by his good works of the keeping of the law? No, for if it was by the things that he did, he would have something to boast about. But no one boasts before the, God, before the Lord. Listen to what the scripture says. Because Abraham, I want you to see this. Listen to what the scripture says. It says, because Abraham believed God's word, his faith transferred God's righteousness, I want you to look at this word, into his account. Everybody say account. When people work, they earn wages. It can't be considered a free gift because it's earned. So no one earns God's righteousness. God's righteousness, it can only be transferred when we no longer rely, the key word there is rely on our own works, but we believe in the one who powerfully declares the ungodly to be righteous in his eyes. It is faith that makes this transfer, man I like that, that makes this transfer of God's righteousness into, somebody say, my account. You know, that's a great scripture if you've ever done anything wrong. Now, if you've never done anything wrong, it's not a big deal. But for you guys out there that are like me that have done some things wrong, this scripture tells us that he justifies or he declares not guilty those that are ungodly by his grace. You know, it's extremely important that we understand the difference between grace and works or grace and legalism. We look at everything either by grace or we look at it by legalism. We look at everything as either it's a gift or it's earned. Today there has to be a choice which it is. Let me give you another word for legalism. Another word for legalism is perfection. See, with God, it's not, it's not good behavior or acting right or making a lot of good things or doing a lot of good things right. With God, it's perfectionism. Did you know that nobody, God is just holy. Did you know that nobody can come into his presence and see God and live because of his holiness? Even in the Old Testament, Moses just got to see the backside of God and it affected him so much that his head glowed for like forever. 
because of the goodness and the Lord had just passed him by. So if we're going to accept we, God, with God, he refuses the standard of just being good or just being close to good. It has to be perfect. And if we're going to keep the law or we're going to do it by our works, then you're going to have to keep all the laws. And by the way, there's 613 of them and half of them, we don't even know what they say. So here's the problem. Here's the problem with, with grace and works. Here's the problem. If you ask 100 people, if you ask 100 people, you did a survey, um, what would you have to do to go to heaven? What do you think people would say? They'd say, well, we need to be good. We need to be a good person. We need to do more good than we do bad. The problem is, is God's standard isn't good. It's perfect. So if you have more good than bad, when we applaud you and maybe your self-righteousness, but you still have not met the perfect requirements of God. You know, how many remember Johnny Carson and The Tonight Show? I'm aging myself. Come on, if you know who Johnny Carson is, raise your hand. If you know what The Tonight Show is, raise your hand. Walter, you don't, oh, you okay, you even know. Didn't he used to say, here's, am I getting the right one? And he'd say, Johnny. Well, one day, everybody knows Billy Graham, right? Everybody know Billy Graham? One day, Johnny Carson got Billy Graham on there, and he, they were just talking. They were doing stuff, and he was just interviewing and stuff. And Johnny Carson was leaning back in his seat, and he said, so Billy, have you ever broken any of God's Ten Commandments? And Billy Graham said, well, Johnny, to be honest with you, I've broken them all. And Johnny just went like this. Ooh, get the microphones up. Turn them up. We're going we're to get some smut here. Well, what do you mean? What do you mean, Billy? You've broken them all. Billy quoted this scripture in J James chapter 2, verse 10. Billy said this. The person who keeps every law but only has one little slip is just as guilty as the person who has broken every law there is. So brothers and sisters, it's not being good. You can't be good enough. You can't be close enough. How many know that it's only by God's grace? But we get to where we think, man, with what you're saying, how in the world am I ever going to get to heaven unless I'm perfect, unless I never do anything wrong? Uh, or is it possible that somebody else has already been made perfect and we just have to believe in him? Abraham believed in God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. So the first thing I want to talk about is I want to be like, well, what is righteousness? What is righteousness? If I said, now I know that that's a righteous man. I know Eric and now that's a righteous person. What would that mean? Well, it'd mean that he treats his friends right. He treats his girlfriend right. He treats his kids right. He's a good father. He's a good grandfather. He's just, he's moral, he's upright in behavior and character. He doesn't lie, he doesn't cheat, he doesn't steal. He lives righteously. He's doing right things. Well, if he's righteous because he lives righteous, is he righteous because he lives righteous? Or does he live righteously because he's been made righteous? It's a big difference. See, the truth is he's not righteous because he lives righteously, but rather he lives righteously because he's been made righteous with God from the inside out. Guys, you're never going to be living it. You're never going to be able to live it on the outside. What happens is grace comes inside of you. 
and all the fruits and the glory and the goodness of God and all these good things. Before God, I wasn't capable of doing good things. I wasn't capable of, 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 of carrying out the things I wanted to do. But when God came in me, I began to get where I could live from the inside out. So what is righteousness? Righteousness is being in right standing with God. Here's what we need to understand. I'm not in right standing with God because I do right things. Because I can't do enough right things. I'm in right standing with God because Jesus did a lot of right things and I believe in Jesus. And because I'm in right standing with God through Jesus, I now have that desire to do the right things. I want to ask you a question today. I want to ask you something. Can an unrighteous person or an unrighteous man, can they do a righteous deed? Can an unrighteous person do a righteous deed? Well, there's this guy. There's this guy. Now, he's not a believer. He's a businessman. He went into another city. He didn't watch smut on the TV. He didn't call people in. Um, he, he was living clean. He was landing some accounts. In fact, he got a huge account, great bonuses. He's feeling real good about the day, so he wants to get out and get some fresh air. While he's out getting some fresh air, some kids are playing ball, and the ball comes over the fence, and he gladly picks up the ball, talks to the kids a little bit, sends it back to him. Then he's walking down the street and he's enjoying everything and there's this little old lady needs across the street and he stops and he helps her across the street. And when he gets across the street, there's this guy saying alms for the poor, alms for the poor. And man, he gets out a wad, just drops this guy a hundred bucks. In fact, he even takes him out to eat. Are those right things? Of course they are. They're good things, but do those good things make this unrighteous man righteous of course not well there's another guy there's another guy and this guy's a believer he goes to church on the rock every week man he's got the church on the rock app he's got i love jesus on the bumper sticker of his car he's got the t-shirt he's listening to the christian music well he goes to another city and he has a bad day in his business and he goes for a walk and while the kids are playing the same kids Hit the ball across the street. Well, he just picks up the ball and says, lousy kid, and just kicks that ball clear down the street. He's rushing down the street because he wants to get something to eat. And a little old woman's walking across the street, and he pushes her out of the way, and she falls down. And this one guy's alms for the poor, alms for the poor. He kicks some water on him, cusses him out a little bit, and says, why don't you get a job? This is a believer. Do those unrighteous deeds... Make that man who is a believer unrighteous and not in right standing with God anymore. See, can an unrighteous man do righteous deeds? Of course they can. Does that make him righteous? No, it doesn't. Well, listen to me carefully. This is where we miss it. Can a righteous man do unrighteous things? Yes, and we've all done it. We've done it many times. But my question is, do these unrighteous deeds that that righteous man, does that make him unrighteous? You guys say what? No, no, yes. No, it doesn't make him unrighteous because he's in right standing with God through faith. Then why do we live in condemnation and guilt and we walk around with our head tucked between our legs when we try to approach God? 
We gauge every day by how much we prayed, how much we sought the Lord. We read our Bible. We've done good deeds today. This is a great day. God is so happy with me. It's performance. It's performance. It doesn't generate righteousness. Your works do not generate righteousness. I'm not saying, guys, I'm not saying that we shouldn't strive and do good things. I'm not telling you to do wrong things. I'm not saying that. There's consequences when we do things unrighteousness. Would anybody say sometimes I pay for some of the consequences? But does righteousness or right standing depend on my performance or did it depend on his, his performance? So I want you to understand righteousness a little bit, where it comes from. I see a lot of people get in self-righteousness where they walk around with their nose up there thinking they're walking on a different plane than a lot of other believers. Stinks. It stinks before the Lord. We're all unrighteous before the Lord. And the only way we are righteous through for, to God and in right position, righteousness is in right stand with God. The only way you're right stand with God is through faith in Jesus Christ. So second question. Second question. Manny, as you guys are getting ready. Second question. What was Abraham's experience about being made right with God? This is in the scripture. Was it by his good works of keeping the law? No. For if it was by the things he did, he would have to have something to boast about. But no one boasts before the Lord. That's your Romans chapter 1. I want to country boy that for you a little bit. What that's saying, that scripture I just read, what that's saying is there ain't no bragging in heaven. Anybody out there say amen. No one's going to be walking in heaven and saying, you know why I'm here? Because I'm all that. I led a good life. I did Bible studies. I did right things. I'm a good, good person. I did it all. I kept the faith. And it's because of me that I'm here. No. How many know it's because of the mercy and the goodness and the long-suffering of the Lord that we're not consumed? Amen? God's grace and the gift of righteousness. I like this scripture in Romans 5, 17. Teen, it says this, those who reign in life. How many want to reign in life? How many want to rule and reign and do good in life? Not only in this life, but in the life after. Those who reign in life, they've received. Everybody say received. They've received abundance of grace. Didn't work for it. You may have had to work for your parents' approval. You may have had to work for somebody's love. But you don't have to work for God's approval and God's love. It's a gift that he gives. It's an abundance of grace. And the Lord gives us this gift of righteousness. Now, when people work, they earn wages. And it can't be considered a free gift because it's earned. And again, I'm not saying that we don't strive to do the right thing. You need to write this scripture down because it's not in your teaching. Titus chapter 2 verse 12 says this. I'm not saying we don't strive to do the right thing, but just don't think that your right things are going to make you right with God. Anybody out there say amen. Um, in fact, grace teaches us. I'm talking about understanding grace. When you really understand grace and God's grace to you, it teaches you. Everybody say teaches. It teaches you to, uh, to deny ungodliness. When you really get a revelation of God's grace to you, it actually teaches you to deny ungodliness and to stop living for worldly lust and, and to live soberly and righteous in this God, in this, and godly in this present world. 
So when you really, people's like, well, you start preaching grace, people will just go off the hook. Crazy. Law isn't going to keep people from going off the hook. What's going to keep people from going off the hook is when they get a revelation of the love and the grace of God. And I'm going to be preaching about this in three weeks when I talk about the marriage of grace. Ooh, I want to start talking about that right now, but we're going to hold that one. So was Abraham, I want us to look at this uh, verse three. So was Ab- So how was Abraham? I want to show you how are we made right with God? The scripture says this. Listen what the scripture says. Because Abraham believed God's word, his faith was transferred. His faith transferred God's righteousness into his account. That's verse 3. If you want to put that up on the board, you guys can. That's verse 3. I want everybody to see that verse. Here's the key. I'm going to do a teaching, a chalk talk today. And I'm hoping this visual is going to let you understand grace and that you're always going to be you're always going to be changed and you're going to remember what true grace is by watching this chalk talk but i'm going to do uh i'm going to do three boxes here i'm going to do three boxes and in one box i'm going to put perfect and then another box i'm going to put good and then in another box i'm going to put bad I'm going to talk about three, three people. The first person I'm going to talk about is Jesus. Let me tell you, he was altogether perfect. He walked in a body just like, he, just like we did. He, everybody say, well, he was given all this extras from God so he could do it. And that's why we could. No, he came as a human. He, he had to be filled with the Spirit just like you're filled with the Spirit. He said, I can't do anything except the Father do it through me. So Jesus came as a human. He came as a human. He, he suffered like you do. He's tempted like you do. The Bible says he's tempted in every way, but without sin. All the laws, which we don't even know them, Jesus knew all the laws. And get this, you guys, he kept every law. Would everybody agree for me that Jesus was perfect? He fulfilled every, he didn't come to destroy the law. He came to fulfill the law. He came to do all it. So he's perfect. Now let me talk about somebody bad. Now I'm going to pick out myself because I don't want to talk about anybody today. But some of you are going to relate a little bit with me on bad to the bone. Okay? And then some of you is going to relate more. I want to talk to you about the very best person that I know. And I'm not just saying that because she's my wife. She's the very best person that I know. A little bit about Brian, what we're going to do is we're going to have a code here, and I'm going to talk, I'm going to put S to signify sins. A little bit about Brian, guys, I was a sinner before I came to Christ, and I want to tell you what, I was a good sinner. I was a good sinner. I was very good at lying. I was very good at cheating. I had inappropriate relationships that weren't right. Man, I loved to drink till I got drunker than a skunk. And when we got drunk, man, we would go fight. We would steal. I remember going through malls and seeing how many remember the cassette tapes where everybody had their big suitcase. How many remember the big suitcases of the cassette tapes? We would go through and, man, we would steal these cassette tapes. Never had to pay for music. I got out of high school and barely knew how to read because I was a great cheater. I was a great liar. 
Could hardly read when I got out of high school. Had to do remedial English, remedial math, and remedial science in college because I cheated in high school. I sat by the pretty girl that would show me all the answers. And then because I had football scholarships and stuff that made the school look good, coaches would, there was a coach, and I got three classes my senior year. He would give me the test and he'd put the answers under the test. Where I just, man, I straight, I was, I was on the A and B honor roll and I didn't know anything about school, cheated, lied, disobedient to parents. Man, I'd lie to them, tell them I was at somebody else's places and really I was spending the night with some lady or, or I, would, I would just all over this place, dabbled in drugs, all this stuff. Sin, 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 sin. But I wanna tell you, even after Christ, when you come from a life like I had, and this is where I want some of you to give yourself a break. Sometimes it takes a while to get sanctified or get like Christ. In fact, the Bible says that he has perfected forever. Remember, we're looking for perfect. The Bible says in Hebrews 2 that he has perfected forever you who are being made righteous. He's, he's perfected you already while you're working it out. But even after Christ, man, you come out of a lifestyle like I did. I've still got some sins I'm hanging on to. How many has got some sins even after Christ that has taken some time? You're rooting them out. You're rooting them out. I remember I said I wasn't going to cheat at college. I guess since I'm at Bible college I, and called to be a pastor, I guess I'm not going to cheat anymore. Hey, I made D's, baby, and I made C's, buddy, and I was proud of it because they were clean, all right? Then you got Carmen. Then you got Carmen in church. And with Carmen, let's talk about how righteous she was. In church, read her Bible. She was in a church to where after you got out of church, they would sit and pray at the altars sometimes for hours and not even go to lunch because they were so hungry for God. Man, they would just pray and seek God. When, her, when my friends went out, we used to go out to get drunk, find some girls and fight, do whatever we could, be crazy, be wild. Fun for them was street witnessing. Fun for them was having a Bible study. Fun for them was, was uh, 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 praying and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, what's wrong with this person? Uh, uh, all these righteous acts. She was very obedient to her parents. She didn't lie and tell them she was one place and really at another. I mean, she had all these R's everywhere. And I'm sure, I ask her all the time. I'm married to this woman. And I'm like, is there anything you struggle with? Could you tell me what it is? Because she, I mean, you can look at my struggles. They're just, even to today, you can, my struggles, I'm still worried. Carmen's like this squeaky clean, perfect thing that I'm like, geez, Lord, what'd you hook me up with here? There's always a prophetic finger of condemnation <laughs> pointing down, not in the, because she's squeaky clean. She's only cussed twice. And the only what she said, nine, probably 10 out of 10 of you would say, well, that's not even a cuss word. One, one time she was like, you, Brian, you, 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 you. And then she called me an A something. And, and I'm like, and then we just broke down and started laughing because that was the first time she ever done. But then I was like, dang it. How could you get her to do something she's never done your whole life? So let's put another S in my account. <laughs> And, um, but she's got all these R's, all right? Yeah, yeah. How many of you relate more with this guy? 
Lift up your hands if you relate more with this guy. All right. But there's some of you, man, she, she was just like always saved. She confessed Christ, baptized, just always walked with, never walked away from the Lord. I think that's an incredible testimony. We applaud you, First Lady. Amen. But um, here's the deal with that. Here's the deal with that, because we're talking about good works and bad works. Can all those good things save Carmen? Mm-mm. In fact, there's an amazing scripture. It's in um, Isaiah. Isaiah, if I can find it here. Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6. It says, all of us are like people that are unclean. And all of our righteous acts are like, everybody say filthy rags. Now, we're all adults here. It, in some languages, it flat out says it. It actually means a menstrual rag. In other words, they were trying to think out the, 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 something that people would really, ooh, that's kind of, kind of dirty or whatever. But they were saying, so, so really, all these R's, you really can come in and start writing rags, 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 rags. All of our righteous acts are rags, rags. They're filthy rags before the Lord. Even, even now, I do this, Brian, even now. Man, if, if I've had like an amazing prayer time, man, righteous act. And then, man, it's been a good day. For some reason, I just think I'm closer to God. And then some days, God's starting to teach me, Brian, even when you have those cruddy days, you are just as close to me then as you are when you're having the bad days or the good days. Are y'all with me today? So you look at this, you look at this and you're like, well, well what am I going to do? I, I see these columns. I see that God's wanting perfection. What am I going to do with all that? What we do with that is the Bible says that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of this world. And the Bible says that he was a sin offering. He was a sin offering. A sin offering meant they brought the lamb in and people would put their hands on the head of the lamb. And when they put the head, their hands on the head of the lamb, it was, it was a transfer of all their sins upon this lamb, this innocent lamb. Okay, so it was now dirty. And then a, a um, burnt offering is when the Lord said, that's a sin offering. And a burnt offering is when the Lord says, all right, all your sins have been transferred to that lamb. And now it says, lamb, you die. And then he looks at the person and it says, you live. And we get to go away free. In fact, you see them running out with their hands up. So what happens in this scripture is all of our sins get transferred over here into this account. It's what the word says. Look at this. Listen what the scripture says. Because Abraham believed God's word, his faith transferred God's righteousness into his account. So God takes all of our righteous acts, all of our rags, all of our sins. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, He who knew no sin became my sin, that he might transfer into my account his righteousness. 
You can be secure and you can be confident in your righteousness when you put your faith in God. Guys, I want to throw this in. If we said, how do you fall from grace? If you study fall, it says that they, this is a fall from grace. There's a lot of teaching on that that I think is false teaching. If you study that scripture in context, what they're talking about, it's in Galatians. And what they're talking about, here, here is what a fall from grace is. Most people would say, well, a fall from grace would be, and they would think of this hideous sin. And you know, every church has their top four. Whatever church you go to, it's one church, the top four sins might be this. You go to another church, the top 10 sins might be this. And you go to another church in the top, and then you're judged according to whatever they picked and choose and put out. They just pick and choose which one. One is, well, if you drink, smoke, and cuss, and you vote Democrat, then you must be of the devil. And, and then another one will say, well, if you, if you do this one and this one, everybody has them, and it makes me sick. It makes me sick because what it does is it puts competition in the body and everybody starts judging themselves upon every other, uh, every other person's performance. You start elevating yourself in, in a community to where this one's more righteous. No, our righteousness is based on his righteousness and everything we do is filthy rags and everything we are is sinful. And without him, we're all breaking hell wide open. It's only when his righteousness is transferred into our account that we are made right with God, period. Period. Guys, to fall from grace, to fall from grace, I've almost fallen from grace many times. You have? Ooh, what horrible, horrendous sin did you, it's not about the sin. To fall from grace is when you feel so pitiful and you feel so condemned and you feel so ashamed, and you hate yourself so much that it, listen, it's hard for you to go and ask God to forgive you again, because you're like, I've stinking asked him to forgive me for 33 years. I don't want to do it again. I don't want to do it again. Well, you sure as the heck aren't going to be able to be made righteous by your performance, so you have to humble yourself and say, God, I screwed up again. Sometimes I'll go days because I don't want to go back and say, I screwed up again, Lord. God, what a... To fall from grace is when you get in your works and your performance to where you no longer can go to God and put your faith in Him and His grace. That's a fall from grace. Don't fall from grace Fall from grace is usually from people that have strong condemnation, okay? Now, so this is clear. I want to make one more point. When all this is transferred in God's account, or in Jesus' account, again, I want you to remember, God looks at Jesus and said, you die. And then he looks at us and he says, you live. How many say that's something to praise him about? And listen. When you get revelation of that, you're going to start denying ungodliness and worldly lust because you don't want to do that to God over and over again. Are you all with me? It's going to come from the inside out. Okay. So, as the musicians are coming today, I'm going to end with this third question, Manny. 
Manny and the boys, if you can take this back off. I'm going to end with this third question. This third question. How do we become right with God? And this scripture, if they'll put it up on the board, it's Romans 4, 5. And I like reading now the Passion, the, the passion Translation. It says this. Everybody with me looking at, at the board? Let's read it together. Let's read it together. But no one earns God's righteousness. Let's do that again. But no one earns God's righteousness. It can only be transferred when we no longer rely on our own works, but believe in the one who powerfully declares the ungodly to be righteous. Woo, glory to God in his eyes. So that's where it's at. That's the, how do we become righteous? Right there. You know, even the disciples came to Jesus in John chapter 6, verse 28 and 29. His disciples came to Jesus and asked, they said unto him, what shall, everybody say we do. What shall we do that we may work, look at this, work the works. Everybody see that's plural. What can we do to work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, this is, everybody say the work. It's singular. This is the work of God that you believe in him who was sent. That sink in? That scripture's new to me this week. Notice the word works and work. They said, what are the works of God? Tell us the works of God. And by golly, we're going to do them. Jesus said, there's only one work that you have to do. And it's this. You have to believe in the one he sent. Righteousness isn't achieved. Say that with me. Righteousness isn't achieved it's received it's received it's received man I look around at some of you guys today and some of you have not come to Christ because you think that you're going to have to be all that after that it's true some of you have not in fact the Holy Spirit's telling me that there there's some guys in here that you have not come to God because you think man I'll never be what you're supposed to be as a Christian Will you just forget that? We just forget about what you got to be and what you got to do? Scripture says there's only one thing you got to do, and that's believe in the one that sent you. Oh, man, that's powerful. I end with this. For by grace are you saved through faith. It is the gift of God. It's not of works. Lest any man should boast. There's no boasting in heaven. With every head bowed and eyes closed, I wasn't going to give a call at this time, but man, I felt the Holy Spirit when I said what I did just a second ago. If you're watching online, you look at that TV and look at me looking at you. If you're in this room and you said, Brian, you pegged me. I don't want to be a Christian because I'm thinking there's no way I can do everything I got to do. If that's you, if you're worried about that, I want you to lift up your hand in this room. I want you to lift up your hand on the screen. If that's you, I want you to lift up your hand. I believe God's speaking to two men today. I see your hand over there. I see your hand. There's one more man in here that the Lord showed me. 
There's one, I, I receive word of knowledge. There's one more man in here that, that, that you know. I see your hand back there. You know that you want Christ. Now, you that raised your hand, you that raised your hand online, here, here's what the Bible says that you have to do to be saved. Is you have to, you have to confess with your mouth that you believe that Jesus walked this earth, that he died on a cross and he rose from the dead. So you four guys that lifted your hand, you guys on there, do you believe that Jesus died and rose? Of course you do. So right now, those four hands in here and those that lifted your hands online, I want you to say this, dear Lord, I come to you today. I know that you came to this world. I know that you died for my sins. And today, I put my hands on you, Jesus. Turn me down a little bit, Randy. I put my hands on you, Jesus. And I transfer my sins upon your cross. And right now, I receive your righteousness in my life. Come on, you four guys say, I receive the gift of righteousness. I receive this abundance of faith. Online, I want you to receive abundance of grace. I want you to receive this gift of righteousness. Now you guys that raised your hand say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. And from this day forward, I'm going to do my best to live for you. And when I don't, when I don't do that well at it, I'm still in good standing with you because I understand this message today. Man, guys, I love that scripture that says that he has perfected forever them that are being sanctified. Because when the devil starts putting his finger in my face and telling me everything I'm not, I just say, yeah, you're right. I'm not all that. But Christ is sanctifying me of my past, my present, and my future sins while I'm working it out. While I'm working it out, I'm still secure in his performance. Every head bowed and eyes closed still. Wave your hand at me if you prayed that prayer today. Amen. Amen. Anybody? Yes, 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 yes. Wave your hand at me online if you prayed that prayer today. Amen. Guys, a lot of people came to Christ today. Let's give the Lord a hand clap today. When you came in here, you all received communion cups. If you didn't, just put your hand in the air. Ushers are going to come around and give you a communion cup. Here we got some up front. Ushers, we need you moving quickly. Keep your hands up if you did not receive communion. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, let's do a first communion together today. Amen. Um, if you're at home, grab some bread, grab some crackers, get some juice if you have it. If you don't have it, get a bottle pop. Get something that symbolizes the blood of Christ. And we're going to take communion. Everybody get ready. Open your communion cups. You can open the top and the bread's there and then open the other one and hold it. And Braden is going to lead us in a song as we're getting ready to take communion. Come on, praise him. He set you free. Praise him for giving you his righteousness. Do we have words? Salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living 
Come on, sing it. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Hey, they're starting Jesus to get it, right? Sing it again. Come on, lift your voices to the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. And has lost his victory on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, the I want you to close your eyes. The Holy Spirit, I feel an endowment of power to release people that are in bondages today. If you're in any bondage of addiction, if you're in any bondage of suffering, if you're in any bondage of pain, if your marriage is being attacked, if, if, if anything has happened to you that you know is an attack, right now in the name of Jesus, I break every chain of addiction. I break every chain of, of shame and guilt and condemnation. We break every chain of suffering today in Jesus' name. Let your righteousness come out from the inside this week. Some of you that pray today, you're going to be able to do things now that you weren't able to do in the past because God's Spirit has come into your heart. Thank you, Lord. I want you to grab that bread. Grab your bread. If you're watching online, grab the bread and hold it up. When you look at that bread, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Hmm. You, you have life because of this bread. This bread sustains you spiritually. This bread uh, nurtures you spiritually. If you're sick... And afflicted, this body was beaten and bruised. And by the stripes on Jesus' back, you are healed. You can be healed of cancer. You can be healed of disease. By this bread, as you're symbolizing that. He was wounded for my transgression. He's bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement for my peace was upon his back, the bread. And by his stripes, I'm healed. Take and eat this bread in remembrance of the Lord. Now in your hand, you're holding a cup. The cup signifies a new covenant with Jesus. The cup signifies the blood of Jesus and how his blood forgives us, his sacrifice. All of our sin went on him and his blood gives us God's righteousness. This blood represents the jillions of times that you're going to fail. This blood represents the rags of righteous acts that you're doing. Don't get caught up in self-righteousness. It's still by the blood. Somebody say, thank you for the blood. Lift it up. Thank you for the blood. Thank you that you forgive me. Thank you that you heal me. Take and drink in remembrance of me. Thank you, Lord. Let's just quietly sing without a big uh, raise up. I just want to almost hear a choir sing this right here hallelujah you one who stand to your feet hallelujah death 
People came to Christ today. If, if you have the confidence to do it, right out at the um, Connection Center, right outside the doors, there's a blue packet. If you just gave your heart to the Lord, you can take that home with you and it can give you next steps. Also, if you're watching online today, Carmen talked about our app, Church on the Rock Huntley. You can download that app. Get that Connect card and let us know that you receive Christ in your heart. And Braden, we've got a baptism coming December 13th, I think, isn't it? So if you were born again today, you can be baptized in water the 13th, but you need to let us know. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray you bless this church. Thank you for this church. Thank you for setting us free. And Lord, we love you until next week in Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. If you need prayer, we have deacons that'll be up here to pray with you. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord.